Hi, I'm Roxanne Serta, and I'm the Acquisitions Editor for CNT Publishing. I've been acquiring books for nearly 20 years, and the past seven of those have been here at CNT. Through my job, I get the privilege of meeting countless designers, authors, and industry professionals who all do amazing things with their creativity. I'll be bringing some of those quilting and stitching personalities to this podcast to share their amazing stories and insider information. Download the latest episodes and get to know great crafters, learn the backstories behind events and people, and hear funny stories from people living the crafty life. Hello, everybody. This is Roxanne Serta of Behind the Seams and CNT Publishing. And today I get to chat with Caroline Darling Hughes. Caroline's a designer, teacher, author, podcaster, and more. You may have seen her fabulous handmade clothing online or in popular sewing magazines. Uh, Caroline explores her creative side in her studio in Northern Denmark. And she was kind enough to work with me to find a time to talk today. So, hello, Caroline. Hello, and uh, so nice that you'll have me here. Thank you. No problem. It's been a long time since we've gotten to talk, so it's nice to see your face. Yes, indeed. Likewise. These uh, long-distance calls. (laughs) Exactly. I'm sorry to the listeners. You can't see either of us, but if you hop on over to different websites, I'm sure you will. Um, So I just, I wanted to start by asking a little bit of, um, about your creative work And I have a suspicion that once people pop over to your site or search for your work online, they'll have something of an aha moment um, and recognize pieces that they've already seen elsewhere. Um, But for those who are not yet familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about your work, like what you make and how you share it with everyone? Yes, I will be happy to. Well, I think my uh, my inspiration comes from basically what what I grew up with. So, in my childhood in the 80s, my mom had these uh, quite yeah, retro old sewing books from the 70s. And I don't know if it was a particular Scandinavian style or what it was, but that was like super basic simple styles that you could basically just make without any patterns. You could trace something you already had. Uh, in some of the cases, it was like kids actually lying on the fabric and there was a picture of that and you traced around it. So it was super simple. And that's that's what I grew up with. And um, I just always thought that was a fun approach to it. And of course, a very child friendly one. So so that's what I started doing as well when I could kind of could borrow my mom's sewing machine. And then I have been on several detours style wise since then. But it that is the kind of uh, that's that's the technique that I've I've found myself getting back to again. Well, and where um, where all do you share your different designs? Well, I've had a blog for a long time, and uh, it's called scandymama.com. And uh, yeah, Scandy with a K, because yeah, I'm Scandinavian, and uh, I just thought that was a fun fun way to uh, to make a special thing about my name also, because that's Caroline with a K, so it's a little bit different. And uh, then I have several other, I have a YouTube channel, and I have my Instagram channel, so I just try to to share like uh, on all those channels. And of course it's uh, yeah, it's a lot of hard work making content as you know, <laughs> probably, but it's also something that I, I, yeah, I feel like a, almost a desire a need to do because it's so fun and it's fun to hear back from people who have then been inspired to make the different projects themselves or who just to, you know, to get, to get the, 
to get comments on them. And I, that's really what I'm here to do. That is basically just to inspire others and to invite them on the journey of, of making without being so afraid. Well, and another thing that um, I think once anyone kind of gets to know you or gets to know your work, um, realizes that you were actually quote unquote green before it was really cool to be, to be green. Um, and can you talk a little bit about sewing sustainably? Yes. Well, first of all, I always feel so guilty when when somebody is so kind to call me green because I feel like somebody like me who has made a hundred dresses for herself and you know fifty coats, whatever. You know, I'm definitely not green, but I've I've worked with uh, with a lot of secondhand fabrics and uh, I've also like in my in my day job I've also been working with sustainability and I was lucky enough to work at this sorting plant uh, where I could you know, find materials that would have been thrown out and to actually create things with them. And of course, in that way, it's sustainable because yes, you make something uh, from something that was just meant to be discarded or, or go on landfill. And and I really love that idea. But, but it started, yeah, just from being a, a poor teenager who didn't have money to buy expensive fabric. So what could I do? I could, I could take the bed linen in the house or the tablecloths and I could go to the thrift shop and, and try to find cheap things there or just to alter things that were already in the, yeah, in the closets in the house. So yes, that is uh, how you, you know, you're green from the beginning. You just, you don't, you do it because you have to. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a, a big thing now. What's um, I'm going to go a little bit off script, but um, what's the biggest challenge of sewing with um, thrift store fabrics? There's yeah, there's there are challenges, and it's also re really really good things to it. But of course, the challenge is that you you never know what you're going to get. Basically, so I have quite a big stash because when I see something in a thrift shop that I that I like, I I I buy it. I I, I bring it home and I store it, and I might not have an idea for it. Uh, precisely at the moment but I know that it will come in handy at some point or if not you know I'll, I'll give it away again or or, or or donate it somehow so so if you're looking for something in particular if you want to make that quilted coat or you're looking for some satin for a dress or something you might not find it so you have to be very uh, open to then other opportunities or yes you just have to have a lot of space so you can buy like buy for your own little uh, warehouse so you have something to pull out later and and I do that a lot um like prints they almost talk to me if if like there's some prints some colors I really like I might not know what I'm going to do with them but I just I don't want them to go to waste so I will I will buy them and save them and then suddenly maybe a couple of months maybe a couple of years later I will I will know the the perfect project to make with them so it's easier to go into a as, yeah, a fabric shop and buy the exact color fabric in the quality that you you want. And sometimes you have a project that calls for that, and then that's that's fine. But uh, I also like just to to see what I can make. You know, perhaps I can't make that long dress with the piece of fabric that I get from the thrift shop, but then I'll make a shorter version. Or I'll do something else. Another thing that you've mentioned um, more than once actually is that mending is often on your actual list of things to do. Um, not like it's a hobby, but it's it's a task for you. And not everybody chooses to mend their clothing. Um, why do you feel that this is something important to you? Well, again, it's I guess it's the sustainable, like the green thought that it's it's important to not just throw things out. And I 
I buy a lot of things from the thrift shops that people have thrown out and I, I don't understand why. And then, oh, okay, then I put the dress on and, and I notice that there's a little hole or there's something, yeah, there's a button missing or something. And I just think, okay, I can fix that. It's fine. This this dress still totally works or these trousers are, are fine as they are. So I'm just very, uh, yeah, I feel it's very important if we have something in the household, if, if some of us uh, in the family, we have clothes that, that we love and that fit, and and something uh, like they break or they lose a button or a zipper breaks or something, then I just you know still want to have that as a as a piece that we can wear. So if it's possible to mend it, I'm I'm doing that. And and you know I'm I have like that mending pile, even though I have a big pile of of projects that are lots more fun. But mm -hmm. it also makes me feel good to to get those uh, those things out of the way. And and again, like as I also talked about in one of my yeah, recent podcast episodes. You don't always have as much time for projects that that you would like if you're, you know, juggling lots of other things. And then I actually feel like it's it's rewarding to to then just take that one thing from the from the mending pile that you can do, and you know, there's a satisfaction in oh yes, I did this, you know, yay for me! I I put in that button, or I mended those socks, or I gave those leggings, you know, a couple of more uh, more months life in them. So. So yeah, it, uh, it it definitely gives me joy to not just throw it out. Wait, you've you've motivated me to tackle my mending pile because I have a mending pile. I just don't tackle it very often. <laughs> no. I, I've also like I've had you know I've had mending piles in several different uh, like various heights sizes, and the worst part has been you know having something like left for the kids, and then you know you get to it in the mending pile and they've grown out of it, and it's just okay, okay. I I have to like do that a little bit more often and and yeah then I've just gotten better at actually just saying to myself okay do this do this now you know do it while watching tv or you know feel feel good about actually doing something while you're doing something else that you like and uh, yeah it's so easy to just put on a nice podcast or you know watch a show you've watched a thousand times that you enjoy and then then just get something useful done at the same time yes um that actually describes what has happened to my mending pile several times <laughs> Not to jump around topic-wise too much, um, but I did want to share that working creatively is not your day job. Um, I think many listeners would be a little surprised to know how many creative professionals, at least creative professionals that I work, also have day jobs. Um, why do you choose to work creatively as a side hustle? I am fortunately lucky enough to have a day job that's also a little bit creative. I work uh, as a communication consultant, so I get to do videos and different graphics and they yeah, also do a little bit of writing. And I, I think if if I didn't also have a creative outlet in my day job, it would be it would be hard. Uh, it would be it would be harder for me to accept that I cannot just like, do my creative uh, passion hustling full time. But I guess you know, unfortunately, you don't always get rich by mending your clothes or uh, or sewing for fun. So, um, so it's something that I love to do on the side. And of course, one day, if there's a way to have less hours at the proper job and just uh, you know spend more time writing books, I would love that scenario definitely. But I also, you know, I've I've really tried to be positive and and be happy about the things that are are nice in my life. And I, I have a good, uh, you know, full-time job that, that pays some bills and, you know, it also is, is, is satisfying. So as long as there's just still space and energy to do my creative things on the side, then I'm just, yeah, I'm happy. 
Well, and talking about having time for creative things, um, you actually started a new podcast recently, uh, the Popcorn Brain Creative Podcast. Um, so what what do you mean by popcorn brain? I think that's fun. Yeah, well... I wish I had a, like a soundboard with a button I could push so I could have the bop, the popcorn p- sound like <laughs> kind of punk, 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 you know, maybe you can, you can edit in edit editing later, <laughs> but I guess that's, that's what my brain feels like. And, and, and probably also sounds like, I guess maybe too, maybe my husband would say that he can sometimes hear that popping sound when I just, you know, drift off and I have another idea for a project. And, and it's really been a joke in the, in the close family that, you know, it's been the weekend and what have you done? Okay, well, I've had ideas for four new books or something else I wanted to do, or let's paint a mural over there. So <clears throat> I guess that is that is uh, a blessing and uh, a curse sometimes, but I I have a brain that that really cannot stop. And it's not like that's, that it's brilliant ideas and, and I'm not a genius at all, but I just, oh, I just see things and I get inspired and I want to, I want to make like my version of things. And yeah, <laughs> I, I wish I could turn it off sometimes, but it doesn't work that way. But you share a lot of, just in case anybody's interested, you do share a lot uh, about that and about kind of managing the creative process on your podcast. I got sucked into it. Um, it was lots of fun to listen to. So I do recommend popping over and having a listen to that one too. Um, and as I'm sure a lot of different listeners can relate to, whether whether they're craft for themselves or professionally, you've talked a lot um, here and there about juggling it all. So work and family and making. And, you know, do you sometimes find it difficult to find the energy to to stay creative? Yes, it definitely comes in waves. Uh, you know, sometimes there can be other things that are really difficult to manage in your personal life or like the normal work life. And of course, that can suck out energy from from your creative life as well. So there's a lot of things in the equation. And also, you know, how how's everything with your family and, you know, health, all these things. But I... Yeah, procrastinating is easy. And maybe sometimes I should do other things like cleaning or something. And then I procrastinate with creative stuff. But I also sometimes have these creative projects that I really ought to do something about. And, you know, and then you procrastinate with just something that, you know, maybe is a little bit of waste of time, even though, you know, nothing is a waste of time. Everything is is fine in its own way. But there I definitely can 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 find, you know, times where it's where it's harder to to get the creative juices flowing or to just keep them in system. But um, yeah, I try to sometimes just, you know, like force myself to do it, maybe just, you know, do it for 10 minutes or do it for 15 minutes. And then ah, if I wasn't in the mood for it today, then I can just stop it. And if, you know, suddenly two hours will have gone past past and I, I, you know, then it was actually great. Um, not to belabor the podcast too much, but again, I did get very inspired. Um, and something that you s- said really resonated with me. Um, and you talked about not spending your time hating the little things. Can you kind of explain how that helps you keep moving forward? Yes, definitely. So the little things, uh, they that's really like, you know, just the little things. If it's if it's just cleaning the kitchen or packing a lunch bag or just sorting that bit of laundry. And here I'm not talking about when it's like a huge, you know, overwhelming task, but when it's just those little things and you don't want to do them and suddenly you spend way too much time thinking about them, worrying about them, uh, you know, feeling bad that you didn't do them. 
And then afterwards you think, okay, why didn't I just do this thing? And I could have have it have it over and done with, and I could have gotten onto something more fun. And I think after I've wasted like a lot of time <laughs> just worrying and not doing the little things, I just thought, okay, now I'm just going to actually try to start doing them. And then it helps because they get out of the way. And just like it's nice to cross things off a list, uh, sometimes all that clutter of little annoying things that you need to do actually release some some space and some energy. And knowing that I have, uh, I've looked at that tax form, I have looked at the bank statement, or I have, you know, taken the garbage out. Okay, then I feel ready. Then I, you know, then my then I'm in a good space. I've done something that I needed to do, and now I can start knitting or sewing or painting or something. Well, another strategy that you mentioned um, as a way to kind of use your use your creative time to the best advantage, I guess is the better way to say it, is that you you do something that you call batch working. Um, and that I think that's a strategy for people who have a ton of projects going on, or I think it's a strategy that could really help people who have a lot of simultaneous projects going on. So can you explain a little bit about what batch working is and how you use it? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's it's a concept that I've heard about from several like really big bloggers. Uh, and it just, I thought, yes, of course, it's it's brilliant. But okay, yeah, it's actually, it's actually kind of what I do already. Because of course, I have my mending pile, and I have my knitting pile, and I have my uh, cleaning pile, and I have all these piles. So uh, instead of doing a little bit on this, a little bit of that, uh, I actually try to, yeah, batch them together. So if I'm going to edit photos, then I will, I will get a lot of photos ready for editing. And if I need to sew something, then, you know, I'll, I'll do that all in once and I'll do all the black thread and then I'll change it and then I'll do all the pink thread and so on. And of course you can, yeah, you can, whatever work you're doing and, and that's whether it's creative or not. It, I think it's really good to, to batch it. And sometimes, of course, you have deadlines and then there's something that can't wait until you get to it on the batch list. But there's still like, you know, you can be flexible with it and also then see how much time do you have. And if if you really are, if you need to finish something today, well, then then choose one of the small batch projects and, and get that crossed off your list. But yeah, it's something that works when you have so many projects that you can choose uh, which one to do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's my luxury. I have lots of projects that I can batch together and figure out how to do. Well, I think it's a problem a lot of a lot of kind of creative or crafty people have is that you do start lots of different things. <laughs> yeah, and it's also with space. I mean, I have a lot of people saying to me like, "How how do you do it all? And how do you have time?" and and I think it's also a huge fact factor in it that I have a very understanding family if I had a, a husband who was very minimalistic or or kids who yeah hated the mess then it wouldn't then it wouldn't you know then it wouldn't work here because I have a big sewing and crafting space which is brilliant and amazing and I feel really fortunate to have that but I still have like piles of stuff everywhere so that I can also I don't not everything gets cleared away when I don't work on it. Uh, and, and, and of course, a lot of people, they have to do that. So then it's really, it's really difficult to start that sewing project or to, to do your collage or painting because you have to have space for it. And that, then it gets a lot more complicated. I, I literally have the piles out in the open, so I can just grab a pile when I need to. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm aware of that. 
you, you may or may not be describing my house too. Um, yeah, it's cool that I'm not the only one and, and good for you as well. Well, yes, but you actually work on your piles. I just make the piles right now. <laughs> <laughs> you also noted, and this is, I guess where I'm going with this one is that there's also a little bit of a trade-off sometimes in, you know, being able to exercise your creativity or your creative impulses um, and balancing that with spending time with people. And you noted that you sometimes invite family members into your studio. Um, so kind of how does that work for you? Yeah, well, not only my studio, but also the whole house, which is sometimes a, a huge mess like that. But yeah, I I have two two daughters who are also, you know, interested in crafting and and arts and sewing. And that's just a lot of fun when they want to join in. And uh, of course, then there's the frustration sometimes because I might be doing like some elaborate project and, and they want to do the same. And uh, it's not quite possible because I'm not just like... I'm not just the finger painting kind of uh, mom who who says, you know, you know, get down on the floor and we'll just do whatever. And I, I, I'm I'm often doing my thing, and then I'm saying, here, some glue guns and some stuff. Have fun, but we're all in it together. Uh, and 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 that most most often that also works. And then sometimes, of course, we also have a communal project, and you know. But but I, I often have an idea and uh, and then they might go along with that or they're, they do something else and that's fine. And I think it also teaches them that um, that there's different levels that you can do things on and you can, you know, you can go your own, you can go in your own direction. And uh, yeah, I, I always tell them, you know, that, that their work is great because it is, but of course they see they see me doing something and then they don't think their own stuff is good enough so that's also a process of it that yeah yeah you uh you have to uh you know find your own uh, find your own level and and be happy with it and i've also had to start somewhere and i remember looking at my mom sewing and just thinking ah oh, how annoying she can do all these different tricks and things and yeah and then i learned them eventually and and made up my own and i hope that they'll do that too even if they don't do any crafting at all. And this is because the reason it struck me is because I, I found that I have been doing that and didn't really think about it consciously. But, you know, it's for, for various reasons. I wanted my youngest to kind of come up and hang out with me and just, you know, relax and, and kind of wind down at the end of the day. And so we'll put on an audio book and I don't care if he's doing something completely not crafting creative or otherwise if he's just kind of sitting up and hanging out with me so yes. I thought it was kind of interesting that you did the same thing and but more Ex consciously <laughs> yeah but but exactly like but I also try to then sometimes you know not let them know what's going on because if if they're like aware that oh this is a whole situation we're doing now then we <laughs> might have like some issues with it so so but yeah just to invite them to oh can you bring your ipad in here or your book or your doodling whatever and and we can just sit together and and that's really nice I love that kind of time and and it's also something like I have this uh, this group of friends we've been kind of brought together by yeah by just like our love for for creative things and and we have like a, a craft group we meet maybe once a month and and we don't always craft while we drink coffee and tea and eat chocolates but sometimes we do but it's it's great to just still meet and hang out and then some somebody is bringing some knitting and the other person is doing some embroidery and you know the two of us are not doing anything but we're hanging out and we're still being inspired and and there's nothing like like talking and chatting while while your hands are also busy i i love that 
That sounds like a lot of fun. It's it's giving me ideas for for once our sports season is done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and I'm really paraphrasing, um, you know, a topic you talked about, but you you spoke about giving yourself permission to dream big, but also to prioritize you know, your other life, you know, your other life commitments to your satisfaction, not to other people's standards. So was that kind of a philosophy that's always been part of, of, you know, your philosophy or did you come to that after some trial and error? I think it has, it has come to me, uh, like with, with, with maturity, maybe with, with growing a bit older, just realizing that you cannot do everything. And like, you can't be the best at everything you can like be, well, like, you can try to be like, you know, strive for perfection, but, but, but it's not going to work. So you have to choose both, you know, choose your battles and, and choose your ambitions. And I have creative dreams and not just, you know, a creative dream, if of course, to, to write books and, and that's great. But I also have just the ambition to, to be creative in my everyday life and to, to create things. Like basically that's what I find really really great. And if I want to do that, and if I also want to sometimes hang out with my kids uh, in a fun, nice way, and sometimes see my husband and just sit and chat and my family, then there are the things I can't do. Then I can't like, oh, I can't be like a runner or uh, really good at cleaning or, you know, we, we, we don't have a lot of like clothes that needs ironing because that that just won't work out and and that's okay but but of course everybody starts for perfection and especially on instagram and like other social media you really have to make it look good and you know a spotless house and yeah that i just had to to give up on that i'm me and this is me and uh, our house is full of colors and full of dust and mess and 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 i would rather want that than a, a clean and spotless house and then no time to sew and make or or nothing here because it has to look a certain way. So yeah, you you have to choose. And uh, right now, I'm I'm happy with my with my choices. And and perhaps they'll change one day. I'm I'm like I'm joking that someday maybe I'll I'll be into something super miniature, so it won't take up that much space. <laughs> but who knows? Well, I have just the book for you. I'll have to get you a copy when it's out. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to that. I, I need another hobby for sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and you know, you also have distinguished between, you know, your creative life and your professional creative life. Um, do you ever find the two of those competing? No, there, I don't have time to think about that. <laughs> I just, I just go with the flow. Uh, I, <laughs> I feel like right now, all of my life is just like, it kind of blends together. And, uh, I, I, I am on a, a kind of, a I'm on a very efficient role at the moment and just, I feel positive and I'm doing lots of things and I just, you know, I'm enjoying all the different projects that I'm doing. So yeah, so that, that's, it's kind of hard to say, but I, I think I have an issue with maybe that I always want to see if I can make something like give it a professional twist, even if I'm doing something just for fun. Like, you know, even when I'm mending things, I'm then thinking, okay, can I show this to somebody? Can I teach it? Can I, uh, you know, somehow uh, give it that twist. And yeah, sometimes I just, you know, I actually just want a hobby for just, just for me and uh, <laughs> not for sharing. So I think a lot of, especially recently, a lot of people who, you know, are creative, they are crafty. 
Um, and they've, they've been doing this for a while and they're kind of considering transitioning from a purely personal creative life to turning that passion into at least something of a revenue um, stream, if not a professional creative career. Like, what would you say to that person? Oh, that's so difficult because I'm, I'm at that same place myself, but I'm just, oh, I'm just so, so careful uh, with everything in this, like in this, uh, the time and this uh, yeah, state of the world. So I would just always say, you know, make sure you're safe and have enough money saved up. And, and at the same time, you know, go for it, but you know, whatever you can do on the side, whatever you can build up while you, you know, you keep your family safe and fed. Uh, that's, that, that, that's the way, that's the way I'm going because I, I'm not ballsy enough to do it any other way. But I also feel like there there are a lot of outlets in the world we live in today. So, you know, if you want to start doing your creative life professionally, you know, whether it's, you know, in whatever creative direction it's in, you can always, yeah, start a podcast on the side or do a blog, do some tutorials or, you know, try to do, you know, an ebook or something. So I, I just think like the whole kind of just throwing your day job away and not knowing whether your idea holds up or, you know, whether how, whether you can monetize it or not. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I would be scared to do that. And maybe, maybe that's what it takes for some people to, you know, and, and then they'll pull through and everything will be fine, but you know, better safe than sorry. And it's always, it's also good to, to have something else. Like I, I've heard that story from some of the people who have actually turned their creative hobby into their professional life that, that suddenly it gets difficult because, it's not as fun anymore because you you have to work at it in a completely different way. And what used to be this pastime activity that gave you so much joy suddenly turns into something that stresses you and, uh, you know, feels like pressuring in a whole different way. So that's also something you have to take into consideration because, you know, how, what a shame if, if you lost that bit of joy uh, that you had, you know, to do on the side if that suddenly became something much more difficult, what would you then do for joy? Go back to your office job or yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've heard that same thing from a number of, of professionals as well. Um, and, you know, speaking of which in some ways um, you've authored numerous books, you've written lots and lots of fabulous magazine articles, you've done podcasts, you've created instructional videos, you offer up online tutorials. So what motivates you to not only make things, but then to really spend your time teaching others how to make them? Thank you for that question. Because yeah, and th yeah, thanks for noticing that because I really, I really love teaching and I love inspiring and I remember from like doing my first class when I finished design school, I was uh, hired by like uh, this kind of youth center and just doing really basic sewing classes for, for young teenage girls. And it was a lot of fun to see them basically have the same experience that I had had, like going to thrift shops or finding old discarded materials and then just creating things and seeing that like the pride and the joy wow they you know they felt so empowered by having made things so they had no idea they could make and and now i do courses for all kinds of age groups and and you know from from young people to to old old people and if if you can live with my methods and uh 
you can embrace them and and how they are. I, I see a lot of people then getting really good results and also experiencing that joy, that like that gift of of making something quick. That that you know that is really cool, and they get so surprised that if they choose the right fabrics for the projects, then even though it might not like be a, a tight fit, it's just oversized. It still looks good, and it they yeah you never believe how proud they proud they feel but they really do and and yeah that's a pleasure so so like that's one of the best things about this yeah this creative profession part-time hobby thing i've got going on that is really inspiring others and seeing them them enjoy it well in another you know you've talked a lot about you know being encouraged by your family to be artistic and creative from a really early age um there are a lot of people who who aren't um they don't they're that's not part of their their family or their background. And they just, they don't get introduced to being creative aside from maybe, you know, art classes at school. Um, so what sort of advice or encouragement would you give to an, you know, an adult who wants to try something new, something creative, but doesn't have kind of any of that background? Well, first of all, I would just say like, try to, you know, keep the perfectionism just away. Just try not to worry about it, you know, looking perfect and being flawless and, you know, doing it right the first time. Really try to embrace that there's also uh, a joy and a, and a beauty in the process and that, you know, things might not end up exactly like you thought they would, but that can maybe be because you've discovered a, a new great way of doing it or then you've learned something. So I would just say give it a go and, and don't be so scared of it. Um but but unfortunately, a lot of people a lot of people are really fearful. They're afraid to cut into expensive fabric. They're afraid to to ruin something or to alter something, and then yeah, then they will have messed it up. So yeah, buy inexpensive uh, secondhand fabrics and and just uh, try, and you know you'll improve so quick. I'm sure. Like I see so many people do that. So if if you can start out with some materials that aren't so uh, precious to you. Then I'm sure, like you will, you will really uh, evolve into, you know, having many more skills than than you ever thought you would. And then I guess also seeing creative, seeing creativity in 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 a lot of places that maybe you don't have space for a big project, for a big sewing table, for a sewing machine. But is there then some way, you know, to make smaller things, but to still uh, enjoy and cultivate the creative side, like then make little embellishments or do mending that has, you know. A more artistic, uh, you know, side to it. So, mm -hmm. or or make jewelry or or something, you know. But but really, uh, you, people should uh, look at things they love, and if they like jewelry, then you know, I suggest trying giving that a go. And if you like textiles and texture of things, you know, try different yarns and yeah, just don't hold back. I'm sure that everybody can can find the joy of making. Well, and not not to make this a shameless book plug, um, but you and I began working together um, when you write your most recent book, which is Style Hacking. Um, and the thing that really struck me about that and why I really wanted to work with you on that book was that you found a way to make tons and tons of different garments and, in fact, a whole wardrobe uh, without following any of the garment making uh, rules um, and it's, um, is that approach really suitable for beginners? 
Well, I think there are different types of beginners. And I guess it depends on, you know, your personality in a way, because some beginners still love a pattern and love uh, to know exactly, you know, this is where I need to trace. And, you know, I need to follow this line and then it will be perfect. And, and, you know, then you should, you should go ahead and do that. And if you feel like you have the, uh, yeah, you, uh, you dare to try to go on a bit more intuitive, you know, approach and, and just to look at, you know, your garment and give it a couple of inches seam allowance, or, you know, look at an illustration, if you feel open to, so just try to copying that, then I think, you know, my techniques would be, would be brilliant, because it is a way to, you know, it's a way that people have been making clothes for a long time. Uh, yeah, hence my my old 70s uh, inspirational book uh, in this area. And and of course, you can always give it a go and maybe it will inspire you to actually do paper patterns or maybe you have done paper patterns and you found that a bit tedious and you want to do this approach instead. But definitely for beginners or just for people who've maybe done some sewing you know, years ago, I feel a lot of people, they have done sewing. They actually maybe have a sewing machine, but it's just been so long and they don't know where to start. And then I think this book is good because, oh, you can you can get into it really quickly. And then you get to know your sewing machine. And then maybe, you know, you find some favorite patterns or not patterns because it's not patterns, but you find some favorite techniques from uh, from the style hacking book. And, you know, you might actually feel the um, the courage to move on to some more uh, detailed pieces from other designers and that is just great that's really i hope that that people take you know get taken on the journey that that fits them exactly yeah i personally i think it's very fun um it and if anybody hasn't checked it out you know do head over to the website and check it out because it's it's it is it's lots of fun um and then this is kind of, it's, it's a question I ask every single person who comes on the podcast, um, just because it's really, really fun. Um, but with all of the different students you've taught, the projects you've made, you know, the readers that you've shared with, there must have been something that went very horribly wrong. Um, do you have a moment or, or an instant that falls into the I'm laughing about it later category? Well, Every time I do workshops and uh, and help like students cut in their fabric, I'm always terrified that that I haven't marked it correctly, or uh, you know that something goes wrong, that I'm 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 that I'm somehow suddenly I've forgotten everything I know, or or just a, a huge mistake has happened, and I and I'm cutting through some fabric that's not supposed to be cut. Luckily hasn't happened touch on wood, so so that's <laughs> cool. Uh, I did a live sewing like recently where I. It was late in the evening and I just did so many like mistakes. You know, I, I stitched on the sleeve from the wrong side and uh, yeah. So I had to, you know, undo it and say, sorry guys, but, but it was fun. And it, you know, my, my husband was, uh, was doing the camera and reading the comments like uh, while it was happening in real time. And he was actually saying that, oh yeah, people were enjoying it because they were just like, yeah, you can make mistakes too. Yes, of course I can. So, so that was fine. That was great. Um, last year I tried to do like one of these uh, bobble wreaths like for Christmas uh, on a video that was like really really bad like that's not what it looks like on Pinterest or anything I had <laughs> gathered so many beautiful baubles I had my wire like 
and it just completely failed. Like half the bubbles broke and I had like these glass pieces everywhere and, and the rest of it just looked pathetic. Like I had a box of bubbles and I have a quarter of a wreath full. So yeah, <laughs> but, but that's, that's fun. You know, Pinterest projects aren't always what they look like. Yeah. Yes. We, I know that well. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, so what are you up to now? Um, so like, you know, what's, what are you doing? What are your new projects? I'm hoping to get into like having workshops again. I'm really looking forward to the world opening up and being able to teach live again. That will be a lot of fun and going to fairs and yeah, meeting other creative people and inspiring. That's going to be great. Um, personally, I have, uh, found a new, uh, really, uh, I've been addicted to uh, different uh, textile dyeing methods, uh, coloring, and I've been doing that all summer and editing photos this winter and been gathering things for uh, hopefully for a new book on different uh, fabric dyes uh, methods. So that's a lot of fun. And that's like both natural and, and also chemical things. And it's just, I, I love that kind of almost, uh, it's almost like uh, doing witchcraft when you uh, you see what color it turns out to be. <laughs> yes, it definitely turns magical at the end. Yeah, it does. It's a, it's a great process. Um, and so like, what are you, what should people look for next? Like, you know, what do you have coming up that somebody can catch up with you and kind of follow along? Well, I hope to uh, have some, uh, yeah, have more people check out my podcast, uh, Creative Brain Podcast, uh, Popcorn Brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. It's hard to say, but uh, that that's like, I really enjoy also hopefully getting to talk to more creative people. I, I the people I've talked to in that uh, field uh, without having a, a microphone on, you know, I always enjoy those conversations because it's so nice to hear how people, you know, get joy from their creative lives and also, you know, the, the frustrations or the challenges that come with it. And then it's just basically about, I have a, uh, yeah, just a lot of fun little projects that I'm looking forward to cross off my list. Uh, so I can get back into doing some more blogging. Yeah. And I really hope to get into uh, online courses as well, but you know, but my desk needs to be cleared before I can do that. So a few mending piles need to be gone before I can do an online course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is the trick is, is clearing enough space for some of the new stuff. Yeah. Um, but as, um, as you get those done, I'm sure that you'll post, um, the information on your website um, so if you're listening and you want to see more, you want to find out what's next, um, I would head over to scandymama.com. Um, and then I will, in the podcast description, you can find a link to Caroline's website and her podcast and probably a couple of other things that I think to throw in there. So, um, that's good. And thank you, Caroline, so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you so much for having me. And it was, it was great catching up with you again. And I look forward to more collaborations in the future. Oh, absolutely. This is Roxy Serta. Thanks for listening to Behind the Scenes. Want to know more about our outstanding group of authors and their books? Visit us online at CT Publishing on Instagram, Twitter, our CNT Publishing channel on YouTube, or on our website at ctpub.com. <laughs>